and time with me Andy and me Alex how are you yeah more to the freaking point how are you <laughs> I am very much alive <laughs> which is positive it's positive it's also kind of astonishing given the circumstances yes um, I can't tell you dear listeners how relieved I am to be sat here with Alex and to actually see her and to be with her and not to get too misty-eyed and emotional but when I first saw her I just held her for a long time <laughs> last week <laughs> oh popkin mm-hmm. yes sorry about that a little bit a uh, little bit crashy <laughs> <laughs> a little bit car crash near death yes but all good now let's think happy thoughts happy thoughts <laughs> Um, yes, and really thank. I just want to thank you to everyone who sent a message. Oh my God! Thank, thank you. They were fabulous. It was so cool to get messages from people while I was deliriously confused and <laughs> taking morphine. I was just like, "This is amazing." You probably need um, to look at the messages again. Now yeah, that you're yeah. actually more alive. <laughs> yeah, that might be an idea. But I particularly wanted to thank. Um, Around the archives, Lisa and Andrew, and Martin Holmes. Yes. City of Jeff. People at the Exton Moss Experiment. Yes. Simon Exton. Who actually gave rehabilitation advice. That was really helpful. Was. It's good to know I am just supposed to sit out in the sun and I will get better. With vitamin D. Yes. Um, and also we had a lovely message from the one and only friend of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Louise Jameson. Yes. She yeah. loves me. She does love you. <laughs> yes. Had, yes. She gave me some kind of, no love from the Sever team or something, didn't she? It was I think cool. it was about harnessing the power of, oh. of being a warrior of the Sever team, mm. which is really sweet and lovely. Yeah, no, Thank it was lovely. Um, so anyway, for the first time in a long time, we watched a Doctor Who last night. Yes, we did. By the way, we are outside. Um, that is a, a big metal bird, <laughs> as Leela would call it. Yes. But um, apologies, I feel like I live in a very busy neighbourhood and it isn't normally. Um, <laughs> but yeah, before the Doctor Who though. Oh yes. God, we've watched some good stuff. This week, haven't we? Haven't we? What was the highlight for you? Time slip. Time Never slip. ever before seen time slip and God, it's brilliant. Yeah, really enjoyed Time Slip. If you've not seen Simon, Simon, (laughs) they were really good actors. I really like Spencer Banks, particularly as Simon. Yeah, Yeah. 
No, I mean, she's weren't. good as well. Yeah. Carol Burfield. A little bit whinier. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's been quite a highlight for me. Can I give you my low light? Yes. Effing Tomorrow People. <laughs> Alex, <laughs> Don't make me watch any more of that. Alex had never watched the Tomorrow People. randomly before I left the house because I wasn't really together when I was leaving for New Zealand for reasons that may be obvious I just randomly picked up various DVDs off the shelf and um, and series whatever six seven and eight of the tomorrow people which are not <laughs> the highlights and we started off with the lost gods oh my goodness which is the I'd story like to that say first, we started yeah. off and ended Sue <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tai yeah making a debut what was the story it was about? It was about Asian Asian sect killing children. Yeah, people in Nepal can't be trusted. They generally no. kill children. Yeah. Um, but it's all right because we can westernise Sutai and give her some platforms and a khaki outfit and then she'll, she'll adapt her ways. It yeah. was horrid. She'll be gliding by the end of episode Which two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not recommended no. by the podcast. No. Sorry if you love it. Yeah. So, um, Wunderbar. <laughs> yes. But also Cousin Bet may not be on brand for the podcast, but we did love a bit of Margaret Tyzak being wonderful in uh, Cousin Bet. Ursula Howells, who I always like after Miss Blacklock in Murder of the Notes. Oh, yeah. Um, Colin Baker. Colin Baker, that's quite important. Colin Baker, which is a lovely lead into our story de jour. Yes. But before we get there, you know what it's time for, don't oh you? Oh, my goodness. It's time for a quiz. Yes, quizzing. <laughs> So, are you quite ready? I'm so ready. I'm ready for anything. Good. I think morphine helps you when you're doing, <laughs> doing quizzes. This remains to be seen. Yes. This is a quotes-based quiz. Right. I will give you ten different quotes from ten different Doctor Who stories. Simply, quite simply, you just have to get the correct story. I think I've got this. Good. Okay. So, story one. Quote one. You hang a bit of that around your neck and you won't never suffer from the scringes, no matter how cold it be. You'll just stay as supple and as fresh as a little old babbit in the suntime, sir, and that'd be a proven fact. <laughs> well, I think you need points for that already. <laughs> That's a, a wonderful bit of accenting. Um, you won't have the scringes. When have I had the scringes? Oh, my goodness. Um... Because you're a bit scringy yourself, aren't you? I have <laughs> often get the scringes. Um, like a wee babbit in the springtime. Suntime. Suntime. Wee babbit in the suntime. Gosh. It's familiar, isn't it? Yes, it is. Not a clue. Okay, so that's unstuff in the ribos operation. 
Well, I thought oh, the reboss operation re-boss when he's talking about the scringe stone. Oh, good. Yes. Number two. I have an uncomfortable feeling that if the murderer doesn't kill us, the commander will. That is assuming they're not one and the same person. Because it says commander, and because it says a murderer, I feel like it's got to be robots because there's a murderer and there's a commander. <laughs> but I, so I'm going to say robots of death. And you would be correct. Yes! Robots of death. One point. Question three, or rather quote three. It was Omega who created the supernova that was the initial power source for Gallifrey in time travel experiments. He left behind in the basis on which Arasalon founded Time Lord Society, and he left behind the hand of Omega. His hand? What good was that? No, no, not his hand literally. No, no, it's called that because Time Lords have an inf- infinite capacity for pretension. I've noticed that. Okay, so talking about the hand of Omega, so is that Ark of Infinity? It's not Ark of Infinity. Okay. It's Remembrance of the Daleks. It's the Doctor and Ace talking. Oh. Yes. Okay. Good. You might, might just have picked up some building noise in the background. Yeah. They sound like they're building something very large behind us. Furiously. We shall see. Right. Are we on number four? Possibly. Yes, we are. Okay. Um, number four. You still think it's all an illusion? Well, I know that free movement in time and space is a scientific dream I don't expect to find solved in a junkyard. Um, an unearthly child? Yes. Yes! The Doctor and Ian in the very first episode. Oh. Episode one, two out of four. I'm doing incredibly well, just so you know. Yes. I feel like I need more. Sorry, more in, more praise. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. Right, the next one. Number five. Now that really is the end of the Cybermen, isn't it? Yes, Jamie. On the other hand, I never like to make predictions. <laughs> okay, so Jamie was there and there were Cybermen. So some some clues. Yes, <laughs> it's a clue. Okay, so I know all about Second Doctor, Doctor Who, as, as we, we discovered. Well. Yes, during I the anniversary special. Um, so with my extensive knowledge, yes. I'm going to say Tomb of the Cybermen. Then you'd be correct. Yes, so much knowledge. Three out of five. Question six. Quote six. Is that supposed to be Heathrow? It is. Well, they've certainly let the grass grow since I was last there. Well, actually, they haven't built the airport yet. We're about 300 years early. That's great. Perhaps I can go out and file a claim on the land. When they get round to inventing aircraft, I'll make a fortune. Mm. So I think we watched this, didn't we? Did we? I feel like we did. I feel like it's, um, I feel like people are about to wander around the countryside aimlessly for a very long time. (laughs) Um, So, the visitation. Correct. Yes! See, I do take notes and think when I watch these things. Four out of six. 
Number seven. Are these old ladies annoying you? No. Are you annoying these old ladies? <laughs> Golly. Oh, that's not ringing any bells, no, but I like it. No, it's probably a long time since you've seen it. Are you annoying these old it's, ladies? It's a, it's a funny line, set of lines. Yes, I like it. Um, I think you just have to think of a story with old ladies in it. Yeah. There's not that many. No. Um, no, I just can't, can't no. think at all. No. So it's Paradise Towers. The old ladies are the resis. Oh, yeah. They, they're the, the, um, the cannibal ones. Yes, and it's ah. Mel is with them. And Pex, the, the one who fancies himself as a strong man. Yes. Comes and tries to rescue her. And she's like, I'm fine. Oh. <laughs> right. The eight. I mean, that's four of seven now, I think. Right. You're expecting to see the master? To see? Not exactly. He was burned to a crisp the last time I saw him. Your spunkness is misplaced. He's here, he's very much alive, and he wants vengeance. Curse the pair of you. Well, since we're insulting each other, I can't say I care much for your taste in clothes. Doesn't do a thing for you. Hmm. Your regeneration's not too attractive either. Hmm. <laughs> face. Unhelpful face. Okay, so because we're talking about the master and we're talking about regenerations, I kind of feel like it's Mark of the Rani, but I kind of also feel like it's not. There we go. Not Correct. Mark of the Rani. Correct, Mark of the Rani. <laughs> yes! This is so good! Five out of eight. I know that, sweetie. <laughs> right, number nine. Almost there. Yes. In the last decade, we've been sending probes deeper and deeper into space. We've drawn attention to ourselves, Miss Shaw. <laughs> I remember that one so very well. Such a good story, the best of them all. Spearhead from space. Yes, and I feel, seeing as it's your favourite, we should do that one again properly at some point. Oh, really? Because it was the first episode of the podcast, but we I've suppressed episodes one and two. <laughs> Did you know that? I've suppressed episodes I one knew and they two. weren't findable, so I assumed you'd suppress them, but I love that you've openly said that. I know. I've suppressed them. You were them, really not listener. funny, so I got rid of them. <laughs> I think we're funny, but it's because I was using that rubbishy podcast system that whenever you started talking, it cut me, cut me off and started you off. Oh. And also there was a delay, so you were answering questions before I'd asked them. And oh, no. It was all weird. So How is that what happened? At some point, dear listeners, you will be able to hear our fresh takes on Spared from Space and the Haunts lucky, of Lucky, lucky people. Yes. Final question. So I think you've got at least six. Six out of nine. Goodness. Can you make it seven? There isn't a dog born that it has attacked me, boy. They've got more sense than most people. Now I can see why they burnt witches. Cheaper than oil. There's no dog born that would attack me. Boy. I can't say get the boy quite right, but... <laughs> oh. No, I'm not picturing it. No. No? No. It's Granny Tyler from Image of the Fendal. Oh, yes. Yes, I can picture it now. Thank you. Yes. Six out of ten. 
That's really, I really think it's good. good thing. It's, it's from all of Doctor Who, and it could be any character. All anything. of Doctor Who. And well done. Plus morphine. Well done. Yes, me. morphine through veins. <laughs> yes. Good work. I know that. But hark. Oh my god, what news has she got? She's here again. She's seen what she's brought a few the friends. The crow with the, the child in her eyes. <laughs> Sorry, I got a bit Kate Bush over okay. Kate ambushed. Okay. <laughs> she doesn't like the other birds that you can hear. No, not a not fan. Not. Okay. She was friends with the wood pigeons. So what news has she got? Oh God, I cannot wait. I've missed her. I've missed her. Strangely. It's, yeah. That time in the hospital, I was just thinking, where is she? I need some news. I need some Kaliak-based love. Exactly that. Yes. So, um, the scroll is being unfurled and it reads, there is still no news about the next series of Doctor Who. Is there not? No. Wow, they're really bizarre about not They're very it. strange. I mean, in Russell T Davies' day, they would release a little bit every day. Yeah. I think Stephen Moffat perhaps slightly less so, but that was also perhaps, you know, the in interest was at peak with Russell T Davies Doctor Who wasn't it yes but now it's like the complete opposite it's like Chris Chibnall's just trying to not promote it in any way hmm it's odd okay anyway the Kaliak's clearly unhappy about this she's right. pouring away that's it thanks Kaliak is it news or more of an observation or a lack of news a lack of news that's surprising from the Kaliak yeah I know I haven't even got an opinion though. Like. But of course, if there was news about the new series of Doctor Who with, with the Jodes, this would be the podcast to hear it first, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. All the new news here. Come for your new, new Doctor Who news here, everyone. Hot off the press. Yes. Good. So, bye bye, Kalia. We will see you again soon. Okay. Thanks, Kaliak. It was helpful. It was. So, it is now time oh to head <gasps> into, um, I don't know, I was going to say a distant future. I don't know whether it's at the same time as, as contemporaneous. No, she says. Oh, does she? She says, I come from three centuries ago and oh. yes yes i heard Notice that bit that was listening so we're going into the future to another alien world to explore the third colin baker story how is that yes vengeance on varos <gasps> hello hi not interrupting anything i know how this place works i know you are but a product of my mind I choose to resist you to know that you cannot exist. Quite right. Control, control. My anti-hallucin switch is suffering malfunction. Permission to withdraw. That's what we've come to fix in there, right, Barry? Yes, sure. Let me have it. When I control this planet, I will possess the means of power throughout this entire galaxy. The system of referendum. How much longer can I survive? One more vote? 
I can show you new prosperity. Destroy them! No! I will give the order for execution. Goodness me. Exciting. Yeah. So, I'd like to start in time-honoured fashion by asking you, what's your first memory of watching Vengeance on Varos? <laughs> well, <laughs> there is, again, morphine clouds my current brain, but I can't tell you what clouded my previous brain. But in my head, yeah. it is inextricably linked with Time Lash. Oh, yes, you said <laughs> in the special. So... The thing I like most about it is that it really mixes the two well. <laughs> I just remember really well, like, the, the couple watching the punishtainment. Um, punishtainment, that's a good word. No, that, sweetie. Um, and then H.G. Wells popping in and out here yes, and there. Yes, he does. I guess Carfell and Varos are kind of similar worlds in that they're both studio-based worlds. Yes. In your defence. Like Corridori. Corridori. Um, but yeah, so obviously my brain has let me down a lot. I, my memory of it is very dodgy. What else do I remember? I remember still being a little bit frustrated with Colin Baker for being so um, unkind. Yeah. Um, still didn't feel the right way to go. Yeah. Um, so you were seven at the time, I think. Right. When this first went out. So just tell everyone your age, effectively. That's fine. Um, and I was 13. Right. And I remember, although I really didn't like the twin dilemma and was utterly confused by why, what they were doing, and I really tried to like attack the Cybermen but failed oh, right. this one came along and I thought oh this is different it's daring it's it's trying to do something different and I remember thinking it's a bit more on an even keel and the Doctor and Perry seem to vaguely like each other in this one right yes and at this point I was recording them all on cassette oh yes which is what you did cassette for the younger listeners <laughs> do we need to explain I don't know if we can <laughs> um so I would cut out the little snippet of the Radio Times listing and make that the front cover of the of Aww, that particular one. Thank you. And um, and even though I wasn't enjoying that first Colin Baker year greatly, I still avidly recorded and then listened them back. So I've I think I recognise a lot of these on audio more than I do visually. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's bizarre. But um. I think it really helps this time, having watched it after Mark of the Rani, which we really disliked strongly. Not in the past, but... Yes, no, I mean this, yeah, this time around. Yeah, as we podcasted it, yes. So I watched it a few weeks ago with Brian, and I watched it again with you last night. Yeah. And I was surprised how much I loved it. Yeah. So anyway, I've laid my card on the cards on the table. I loved it. How do you feel about it? Um, I think love's probably a bit strong, yeah. but yes, um, really very much enjoyed it it seemed very cleverly done that whole um having the um common man's commentary kind of throughout the story yes was inspired and it just kept it moving with um clever comedy like it wasn't like obviously there's that annoying bit where colin baker does the wah 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 <coughs> kind of a kind of silly oh the acid bath yeah <laughs> but 
they're kind of the, the wit of what's his doodle the the man what's his the name the governor no oh no so Arak yes uh, it, which we, you noticed that there's two Araks in Doctor Who yes who knew uh, yeah <laughs> such a yeah such an unlikely but yes because my notes from last time on Planet of the Spiders um, but yeah um, I've I really found that as a device clever and yeah I had an, I, I enjoyed the way it helped it all unfold the, the fact that they were kind of rooting for not necessarily with absolute love for the Doctor and Perry but with that kind of excitement of what's coming next it just yeah it was a really clever device they used um, and yeah it definitely added to it, it they they tried something new that actually worked, which was nice. Well done. It was very new and challenging and different. Now, a lot of people who've talked about this story say, well, it's it's good, but is it Doctor Who and should it be Doctor Who? Is it too, does it go too far? Is it too violent? Is it too sadistic? What do you think? I think I remember it being a bit shocking at the time. But I don't, I don't like the is it Doctor Who question because that, that, that's exactly what Doctor Who is for me. It's freedom to go almost anywhere. Yeah. So I don't, I don't like to put parameters on it just because I'm not used to it or it's not something that's been done before. Yeah. So I, uh, and if you put it in context with um, present day Doctor Who, I think there's probably a lot more gruesome goes on and a lot more violence yeah. so i really i don't i don't think it's a a fair criticism yeah turn off the transmutation process take your choice there must be a hundred switches to choose from if it's a switch that controls the bombardment beams doctor can you decide which no time So the thing that really hits home to me is it's it's so political and yeah. it's saying some really important things about society, about culture, about politics, about how particularly that democracy, how the only way it can really work is is representative democracy, not not direct democracy of giving people referendums all the time right which living in the uk is like kind of like it's a bit too on the nose at the moment to even live with or talk about yes the fact of like we should never have let the british public decide whether to be leaving or remaining um from the uk because the choices were made on the basis of racism and stupidity yeah. whatever anyone says don't care nonsense <laughs> it's about immigration shit that's it but yes. um and on Varos, they were making decisions based on what was it? When the, the Zyton 7 thing? Yeah, whether or not they wanted to eat now or eat later, basically. Whether or not they were, would settle for a shitty deal. or Yeah. Yeah. And they want to eat now because but people it, always want to eat now because people are selfish. Yeah. But also the, the cleverness was the fact that it... It, it clearly oversimplified the situation. It was just, there was two options. There was yes or no. Yes. There was leave or remain. There was, um, yeah. Which is the way the world is at the moment. It's so yeah. binary. Yeah. 
and and it's that's why direct democracy doesn't work because it's always more nuanced and complicated than that yeah and that's what this story underlines so beautifully yes doesn't it though doesn't it though oh uh, yeah i i felt like they alluded to, to a lot of that there was a lot of there was a lot of gray in there but then i i feel like towards the end they did try to make it a little bit too uh, trite yes they kind of even though it did kind of talk about the kind of the gray areas and the there was kind of more to it they did kind of leave it in the end too it was just still being a bad man and trying to pull one over them and then yeah. that it really it kind of was quite a simple fix almost mm-hmm. um which uh, i guess you have to for the sake of a story but it just kind of the the overall moral was lost a little bit because of how easy it was to fix i think yes it kind of was a bit sudden the ending wasn't it yeah it was just like oh we're all all right now and it was nothing to do with anything the doctor had done there was just another war or something elsewhere therefore they needed to settle on the Zyton 7 now it just was kind of like oh that's lucky isn't it and yeah and but i mean it's not i'm not too angry about it because we have a lot of that in doctor who but it's It could have been a bit cleverer, perhaps. I was struck by how pacey it was. Yeah. Because my memory of that season is interminable arguing in the TARDIS Mm. for the most of episode one, and then just not enough happening, it being sort of turgid. But it didn't feel like that at all to me. No, no. I think I like that the Doctor and Perry weren't requisite to further things. They weren't. Yeah. They were. They were fine. Like they did their bit, but it, the plot kind of carried on without them. So you weren't desperate for them to, to be there to make things happen, um, and yeah, and having the the wit of the Arak and Ujima Flip was yeah really helpful in kind of. Etta. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. So I just wanted to talk about some of the guest characters. And actually, first of all, the range of characters. There were so many characters in this. So many Doctor Who stories, they will kind of introduce two or three characters, quite a strong. And then they'll have ciphers for the rest of the parts. But I felt this one, there was really... It was Philip Martin who wrote it. There was a lot of different characters with different motivations, different reasons for being there. And I just felt... There was more characters than there needed to be, yeah. but I quite like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. More characters when there is a, a reason for them, generally, I like. Yeah. Um, you could tell there wasn't enough time to properly explore them. Like yes. I. Like there was Rondal's a good example, the one who initially released Aretta, but then he gets killed for his trouble, doesn't he? Yeah. Really early. But on. also, what do you recall? John Dar. John Dar, yeah. Oh, it T- was just... Tell me about John Dar. John Dar was just... He was just there for a naked chest. He was. But, like, his motivation, like, when she talks about him, like, he sounds like this honourable dude and there's, like, this kind of conspiracy behind it and the stuff he's found. And there was just so much potential for him to say or do fantastic things, but all he actually did was naked. Yeah. Um, and so, I yeah, I didn't love the character development so much as, no. as I and, could. And I think she was poorly served as well, yeah. Aretta. I mean, we, we said while we were watching it, 
oh gosh, it's it's her from Sleeping Murder, the Miss Marple, where yeah. she plays Gwenny, and she's yeah. fantastic she as the lead really in good. that. Yeah. And she's got so much range and ability. Cover her face. My eyes dazzle. She died young. And I was there, on the stairs at Hillside, looking down through the banisters. And I saw her lying there, her hair all golden, and her face. She was strangled. There was a man. I saw his hands. They were grey. Wrinkled like monkey's paws. She was dead. Who was dead? Helen. Why did I say that? I don't know any Helen. You see, I'm mad. And yet here, she's playing sort of an 80s... 80s fickle-treating perm... <laughs> support female. Support female who is there to be put into danger, really. Yeah. Yeah, and the absolutely. weird, the, also the thing about the dialogue with Loretta and John Dar, it was really stagey and theatrical. Right. Um, yeah, they weren't believable. That's yeah. Cool. There's one bit I wrote down, which was John Dar's dialogue, which was awful, and I was like, I was like, wow, that's just awful. <laughs> um, I'm just going to cut this bit while I find it. Oh yeah, as we poor fools walk to certain death, at one point John Dar said, and I'm like. What? <laughs> no one speaks like that. No. And I wondered, is that an Eric Saywood script editing moment? Because Eric Saywood always script edits things that people never say, oh, I always find. Really? And I was like, no, I don't like it. No. No. No, I didn't I didn't find myself caring about either of them. Yeah. They just were additional people to run down the corridors. Yes. Um talking about going up and down corridors, what did you think of the little cars? <laughs> who doesn't love a little car really I know it's um, yeah no they were a pleasure loved the efficiency of the gun I, I like the fact that when you shot people generally they died I didn't <laughs> like the fact that there, there was no little flimsy injuries or no, just a little bit death, of a plot there? there was instant death for anyone in the, the path of that little ray gun so yeah no I um, I quite liked them it was the they were the right speed for the size of the set, I yeah, think. Yeah, they could have <laughs> faster, could they? Yeah, but no, I think it... They were, I think they they were quite a happiness nicely. patrol. Yeah, they, they weren't really as were. fast as that zoomy car with the Vogans having Revenge of the Cybermen, were they? Ah, that's far too zoomy for anyone. I love those. <laughs> I love the way the Vogans move up and down. Bobbing <laughs> <laughs> up and down in the half-masks. Um, I got far too interested in one point in how many people lived on Varos. Because it came up with the total number oh, of votes yeah, for yes like and no. Oh, yeah, it was 699,000 or something. Yes, so I think it was, I worked out it was a one and a half million people. Okay. So it's about the same population as the city of Barcelona. Oh, good. Thanks for that. I wanted a sort of comparison. <laughs> but then at okay. one point, I think that was rather thwarted by the fact that there's a piece of dialogue from Moretta saying there were thousands of people on Varos. And I'm like, well, no, there's more than that. A right, lot more. yeah. Yeah, yes. fair point. Unless there's some jiggery-pokery with the punch-in voting. That's true. Other people being naughty. <laughs> um, yes. So, we haven't talked about Syl yet. No. Tell me what you think about Syl. I have a few thoughts. <laughs> um, 
remember not really loving him at the time. Mm. Um, I think he. This may just be because he grossed me out. Like I, it may not be to do with the fact that he's not a good character. Like I, the idea of a race of people who are good negotiators and kind of nasty businessmen types is is quite. I quite like them. It's quite. I guess. Sunmakers-y or I don't know. It just yeah, it's quite a... Robert Holmesy, isn't it? That yeah. sort of writer, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the idea behind him was quite good, but I just think the way he spoke and just his manner was probably too well done, almost, because he really made me feel quite sick. Yes, I, I've written down. Seal, it, with Seal, it feels. I've written. It feels like he's watching porn. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, but do you know what I mean? Because he, he's so salaciously enjoying it and wriggling up and down, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah, no. he just probably did too good a job, which yeah. is not a reason to criticise yeah. him, really. But he also put me in mind a bit of Arcturus from Curse of Peloton. I know that's much less mobile, but there was that tank with water in it, and yeah. he's like on top of it. Yeah. So that was kind of similar. I kind of like that nurse. <laughs> but brilliant that they didn't use an able-bodied actor for it and yeah. actually use that as part of Sill being such a unique creation. Yes. Nabil Chabon. I do remember it um, being talked about at Blue Peter, on Blue Peter at the time. I remember mm. they had... Oh, did on. they? Yeah. So he went on it to, to show how Sill was... Oh. Yeah. I was um, visiting a, another friend and he had a pet snake and uh, I asked if I could handle it. So I was holding the snake in my hand and I was really studying it and I was like thinking, Sill probably some kind of snake. He's a reptilian type creature. Maybe he's a cousin of the snake that's in my hand. So I was like studying the snake and I was looking at its tongue flicking in and out. And as I was going back to the snake, I was going and I thought, that's it. That's the laugh for Syl. So, um, of course, Syl and the devil seeds of I don't know what it's called, Arador? There's a new um, feature drama that's just out. Oh. Yeah. Featuring Nabil Shaban reprising the role of Syl. Oh, well, I've heard one more recently. Oh, have you? Yeah, I've heard one where he played the same role at okay. Big Finish. Oh, I haven't heard that one. Yeah, I can't think what it was. Okay. Yes. Um... I was going to say he's delightfully hideous, but it's not delightful. It's hard to watch. Yeah. I love the bit when Perry turns to him after clocking him for the first time. She said, what is that thing? She <laughs> says, what is that thing? I thought that was so honest. Yeah. yeah. I know the doctor wouldn't say that because he's more accepting of all different sort of races. But for yeah. Perry, it was like, what is that <laughs> thing? Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Um, Nicola Bryant. Yes. Friend of the show. Well, not so much. She really isn't a friend of the show. Let's say she is. <laughs> well, let's make her a friend of the damn show. Nick Bryce. She's called her. Um, she's called her dog after my child. I feel like she must love my child. What's her, which child? Marnie. Oh. Marnie, really? Yeah. Okay. Middle child. Yes. Yeah. Best child. Best child. I'm not meant to say that. Okay. But all middle children are the best. I can't deny it. <laughs> um. Yes. So I think it's time for perhaps the most popular segment of the podcast. Oh my goodness. Dressed for success. Woo! 
want to kick off or shall I? Um, I don't mean like get angry. <laughs> I just mean start this segment. I'm just going to have a go. Um, yes. Well, I'd say back in the day when I was just excited that Doctor Who was on. Yeah. Um, then the fact that um, Perry's outfit of choice was always the, the staple leotard and um, shorts I remember thinking was absolutely fantastic I remember oh, really? just thinking that's funny she was so stylish she had all the clothes I could ever want <laughs> I thought she was fantastic um, yeah the I, I see them now for what they were <laughs> <laughs> what were they a leotard and shorts <laughs> um, but uh, yeah no I just the fact that they matched, the, the she just looked cool. She looked really cool. <laughs> um, and I don't quite get why I love them so much. So, yeah. So maybe, I mean, I was, J- J&T was probably a bit more salacious in his choices here and getting the, the dads to watch sort of crap. Yes. But, um, but maybe he was unexpectedly or deliberately getting seven-year-old girls to be wanting to be like Perry. I never felt like I was the target audience. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. No. But, um, okay, so what else is... the? What colour would the jump... Oh, they were oh, kind of browny, greeny. With some browny jumpsuits, but also, I don't know if you noticed the half-mass nature yes. of... Aretas? No. Um, some of the um, military types. Oh yes. The the trousers were were a little bit unnecessarily ill-fitting. They just kind of they bagged at the wrong points. But half masts are in these days. Yeah, in not, the youth, not, not like that. Not for military, thanks, sweetie. Not, not military half masts. That's <laughs> no. wrong. Yes. Um, who do we? Um, I like the governor's costume. This it's more silvery grey. Yes, that was quite half mast as well. Oh, was it? Yeah, yes, it was I noticed just a that. Bit odd. But I felt that there's some money had been spent on costumes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I and they pl- yeah, they made this. They they set the scene of that prison colony kind and of. And that they were the former weren't the people in control the former prison officers? They said yes. Descendants of yeah. It made me think of Cygnus Alpha from Blake Seven. Yes. Um, although they didn't go religious, they went another Killy. way. Killy. <laughs> Punishment. Yes. Yes. Punishment. Stephen Yardley as Arak. Yes. Um, I felt that it was his decision. He's thinking, well, I'm getting on a bit, but I can see, I've still got a chest, so I'm going to wear this slash yeah. to the waist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was so good. I yeah. loved the the love-hate relationship oh, with him and her. When oh. she was saying she's going to report him and stuff. Yes. yes. And then... He, he never quite knew with her like whether or not she was going to go forward. That was that brilliant yeah, situation. How would they know? And she said, "I'd tell them." <laughs> yeah. I put you down on my ViewStat report as a subvert. <laughs> brilliant. And of course, she is the glorious Sheila Reed, who is the old woman on the um, thingy in Benidorm. On the. Uh, oh, of course. Yes. Had the, not clocked that. Yeah, on the not a moped. What's it called? Mobility, Mobility scooter. scooter. Yeah. yeah, moped. <laughs> Um, is there anything else to say about Dress for Success? Oh, sorry, yeah, we got off that. Um, I, I, there was the weird people in nappies. They, uh, were, they weren't Dress for Success. What no. was that? And why? <laughs> yes. 
That was a moment of weirdness. It was really strange. That was almost as weird as Tittity Bumpity in Quatermass 4. <laughs> that was pretty special. <laughs> the thing that I didn't get about them was, were they there as um, occupants of that zone to scare people? Or were they there as prisoners who had gone mad? Or, yeah, or um, had they just wandered in from another programme yeah. accidentally? <laughs> Why did they not know that tendrils would kill them when they'd lived there for frickin' ever? Yeah, if they'd lived there, they'd know. They bloody would. They would know. Um, yeah, so, yeah, Nappy's not great. No. Um, Still, brilliant costume. Oh, he was, actually. Yeah. Yeah, really Oh, good. tell you something that was dodgy. Well dodgy. Not just because it was bondage, but the fact that, that um, Sill's slaves were black. Of course they were. Oh, were they? Yes, both I of them. I noticed that. Yeah, it was very much subju- subjugated. Ah. Yes. Yeah, no, I think actually all of those, um, we should talk more about those, to be honest. The, um, the costumes for all of those section of people, the, the kind of the slaves with the kind of complete headgear on, mm. so they weren't, didn't have um, personality. Yes. And the... Um, the ranks of all of the military officials were all quite clear and the ones who we were not supposed to trust were in black and they, I, there was lots of clever little imagery in yeah. in the um, in the clothes to be honest there was um, and I remember thinking that sort of the trooper helmets some of them were really cool and I remember thinking I'd like those yes and to go off into the woods that we lived in at the time to, to go and fight in those costumes would be very cool. <laughs> cool. And we used to take gunpowder into the woods because Eric was my best friend at the time then. Oh yeah. And we used to get these gunpowder balls, balls and we'd go into the woods and we'd light them. Oh, did you? Have little explosions. That's <laughs> good fun. Amazing. Eric Nesbitt, if you're listening. I think he's head of a software company now. Oh. Good for him. Um, new segment, um, Dress for Success is over. Yeah. Goodbye. I'm gonna New segment. Claim to fame, claim to fame. Mm. I have got a claim to fame. I feel Se- like this might be your segment only. Claim to fame. <laughs> claim to fame. fame. My claim to fame in this month's episode. Because <laughs> there's a claim every month. There really there is. Is. I don't know whether there is. But. I've once met met someone in a lift. (laughs) I once met someone in a lift. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's to be invented in the forest. No, this is better. Um, Sophie Neville, who played Uh, Titty in Soils and Amazons, the feature film from 1973. I still like, although I look at it differently these days, because I ghost wrote her book on the making of Soils and Amazons. Mm. I basically um, rewrote her bits to make more more narrative sense and to tidy it up. Rude. Um, I know, but it was diary entries and stuff, and I just made it more flowy. And yeah. Without much credit in the book, so I'm saying it now on the podcast, okay. people know, because I don't get a credit inside the book. Do you know? No. Okay. But um, Sophie Neville, who was one of the children, the one who saves the day in that film, she um, was the assistant floor manager in Venetian Samvaros. Goodness. Of all the great adventures of childhood, one is outstanding in the pleasure it has given to succeeding generations. Now, Arthur Ransom's wonderful story becomes a remarkable film. Trepid explores, making the fast 
ever voyage into uncharted waters. Look, John! Over there! What mystery shall I hold for us? Dark secrets shall be revealed. When I was working with her on the book and met her a lot of times, I didn't ever ask her about Doctor Who or Vengeance on Pharos. And I wish I had now. Yeah. She's still a Facebook friend, so I could still ask her. I think you ought. I ought to. Yes. But then that would only be for the purpose of this podcast, really, wouldn't it? Well, that's a good reason. But she could tell us about the men in the nappies and what that was about. She could. So we may come back on that (laughs) at a later date to explain what the heck was going on. That would be great. So, on claims to fame, oh, oh. did I tell you that um, Nicola Bryant named her dog after my daughter? <laughs> <laughs> I feel you may be reaching in this segment occasionally, no, in this I, new segment. I, I think that's... that's. I, I think also Stephen Yardley. Yes. Oh, I've met Stephen Yardley. Oh, my goodness. So <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Yardley um, wants... Shit, I can't go <laughs> Once did. Once. Once us on a TV program you watched. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shit. I interviewed Stephen Yardley oh, for my Secret you Army did. book. did. Yes. And I met him at a comic thing, convention mm. thing. He yeah. was lovely. As was Jan Harvey Badger, who was there. <laughs> I should explain that Jan Harvey Badger is not her real name. No, most that English is, people will know about Jan that Harvey. That is Stephen Yardley's wife, Jan Harvey. But we always put Jan Harvey Badger on the end because Harry Hill, in Harry, the Harry Hill show, always had the Badger parade. And one of the Badgers was Jan, Jan Harvey, Harvey Badger. Badger. No, I love that. Stephen Yardley's wife. Um, the other one that was my favourite was Ta- Ta- Tasmin Archer Badger. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, if I can find it, I will now play a bit of the Badger Parade oh, in. Be yeah. What a waste of chops. A fool and his chops are easily parted. Yes, Alan, I suppose you're right. But Alan, if you're here, who's grooming the Badgers ready for the Badger Parade? Parade's off. Parade's off? What do you mean, parade's off? The Badgers have gone on strike. Oh, the Badgers have gone on strike you in a minute. Chance would be a fine thing. <laughs> Promises, promises. And relax. <laughs> They're not happy with the paying conditions. I'd better get down that grooming, babe. Oh, and Harry. Yes, Ellen? Make haste, for the parade is in but half a minute. No. <laughs> what do we want? When do we want them? Soon as possible. What the devil's going on here? Oops, it's the governor. Tasmin Archer Badger, I have always been fair with you. You pay us a pittance, and for what? We dress up for you and... Look silly. Look silly. Does Tasmin Archer Badger speak for all of you, hmm? We feel that dressing up and dancing up and down for another's enjoyment is degrading the Badgers. Mm, Gareth Southgate Badger, not you as well. I just want to talk about the musical interludes in Vengeance on Varos. Okay. Good. They didn't really occur to me. I'm not very good at listening to incidental music, though. It just floats by me. Mm. But I like the little fairground music moment. Did you hear, hear that not bit? Not at all. When um, they were, they were going to go. They were in the dome. The Doctor, Aretta, and John Doe. I don't think Perry was there. And there's sort of like little fairground music bits. Really liked it. Surprising. Okay. Didn't notice it, did you? Okay. I feel like we might need another musical interlude to and revisit that. 
Here it is. Just like Comdiv designed to put a real monster immediately beyond an imaginary one. Or is that exactly how they would expect us to reason? One way to find out. All right. They're lights. Green lights. Two of them. <laughs> Pop like them. We've received very good punching appreciation figures. Glorious. Good. Um, shocking moment. You gasped. You Did don't I? often gasp watching Doctor Who. Ooh. But when Mal- Maldak hit Perry with the glove. Oh, that was really nasty. It was, was really like there's so many like ray guns and things that don't actually have real effect, but. When someone hits your face with a glove, oh, that that smarts. Turd. That was nasty. Was. Yeah. No, it was really. It's like he took it quite personal, um, which is then odd that he kind of helps her towards the end, or I guess he helps the governor, and she just he happened did. to be there. Um, but yeah, no, that was a horrible moment. He just it seemed was. like a complete shit. And we haven't really talked about this enough, I think, that the treatment of women in yes. the story. That's somewhere we need to go. Victim culture. It was really, um, yeah, yeah. It was a shame, like, of all the doctors that we've seen, I know that we always talk about the role of women and whatever, but like, if you think not long ago, we've been having Gia Kelly sort the world out. Yes. Um, But in this, they really were reduced to incidental pointlessness i mean like yes etta had a a quite a strong personality against arak but essentially what women had to say was fairly inconsequential yeah. especially that bit where she offers a uh, perry offers to help the governor and to say a few words and mm-hmm. i'm thinking she could have said something Maybe, you know, something a bit better than him, but a bit more persuasive. It wasn't just more political Oh, that bollocks. moment where she said, can I say something? Yeah. Because that was really good of Perry to say, well, I can say something on your behalf. And it would have, like, I mean, it might not have done anything, but it might have done something. But he didn't have a better idea. Yet still, her getting involved was seen as completely pointless. And they just, I know Perry's role was quite a, a screamy one, but it just, it was such a, yeah, men were much more important in this story that yeah. like really lassie what she called um eretta yeah and we've got etta and eretta have we yes oh, weirdly um yeah like her role was john dar's wife like she yes. wasn't person in her own right she was john dar's wife she was talked about that a number of different times and really she wouldn't have had her own thoughts i mean she um, had a slight bit of agency in that she managed to convince rondell that he should re- let her go but after that she became a cipher yeah and it was only really so she could save John Dahl. and um, the transmogrification was totally victimy again wasn't it yeah though it really was them lying on a train track with uh, yes perils of Pauline yeah, yeah. No. and then you also had Syl being salacious going oh she's more attractive now yeah oh <laughs> horrible not yes. nice. But I mean, I preferred that, which is kind of openly gross, than 
that kind of smarmy dismissiveness that Martin Jarvis has. I yeah. feel like we're, we're supposed to like him. We're supposed to respect him. He's, you know, he's not a terrible governor. He's doing his best, but he still has absolutely no respect for women. Like, that's yeah. just part of who he is. Yeah. So is that just Ferozian culture or is that the culture of television and drama and the world at the time? I think it felt like the world at the time. Yeah, I agree. I think because Etta and Arak, like they had, I think, a, a degree of equality in their relationship. Yeah. It made me feel that it was just, um, it wasn't like a Ferozian thing to be shitty about women. It was just, oh, well, women really do just support. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was... It felt a shame. I really want to celebrate something that oh, relates good. to Perry. Good. And that is, I think of season 22 as being the series where I hate it because the Doctor and the Companion don't get on and they're yeah. completely bitching all the time. And when it gets to season 23, it's glorious when you see Colin Baker and Perry and Nicola Bryant walking hand in hand because they now, now like each other. Right. At the start of Trial of Time Lord. But... There's a lovely scene between them here, which I really liked. Now, it was after the too quick um, escape from the transmogrification situation. Right. Where he sat Perry up and he said, you are Perry, Perpicillium Brown. Oh, right. And he was really sort of like, you, it was like saying, you count and I care about you. Oh, is now, that he didn't, you took from it? I took that from it because you have to bloody search for it in this series. <laughs> But for me, that was like, yes, thank you. I really wanted him to say a bit more than that, but it was yeah. it was more than I was hoping for. Yeah. So there. Okay. But slim pickings, isn't it? It really is. Like, I didn't take that from it. I just thought he sounded quite shouty and a bit kind of, just hurry the fuck up and sort yourself out. <laughs> We've got to go kind of thing. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Something that um, hadn't occurred to me before, which really was, um, it kind of worked even more because it was kind of a bad special effect, was in the punishment tone when there was lava on the floor and the doctor was walking towards it. Oh, yeah. Um, and it really reminded me of playing Minecraft, which I do with John. Oh, yeah. And if you hit the stone away, or whatever you're digging away, yeah, stone usually, and then lava starts to flow towards you. And it was really like that. Okay. It really felt like I was in Minecraft for a moment. <laughs> Liked it good um anything else we haven't covered oh, my, my copious amounts of notes that i'm now able to take just sorry everyone i am um, an effect of the accident is i'm not yet able to string more than a sentence together by writing so yeah. my notes are I think it's astonishing you're able to do this level of commentary as it is. <laughs> but, oh yes. Tell me. Little moment I heard. Yeah. Loved the thought that Colin Baker cooked tea one evening. For Perry. Yes. Yes. Managed to burn it even though it was a cold cold tea. I thought that was lovely. Yeah, so that's it nice. There's more that we needed to hear about We did that. need to hear more about that. Since we left Telos, you've caused three electrical fires, a total power failure and a near collision with a storm of asteroids. <laughs> Not only that, you've twice managed to get yourself lost in the TARDIS corridors, wiped the memory of the flight computer and jettisoned three quarters of the storage hole. You even managed to burn dinner last night. Well, I have never said I was perfect. If you recall, last night I was supposed to have a cold supper. That was an unfortunate accident. Oh, but that leads me into thinking about 
all that ridiculousness near the start about how, oh, the TARDIS is just going to drift endlessly in space, so I may as well just give up. And it's all right yeah. for you, because you're only human. You'll die soon. Yes. But I have it, to enjoy this forever. It was total overreaction of nonsense. It did um, bring me in mind of that um, Peter Capaldi one, where, um, where he had to go through that day over and over again and kind oh, of yes. touch the thing and yeah. and it was just like if you think of how gritty and determined he had to be to get through that eternal punishment yes. compared to Colin Baker having a hissy fit saying oh this is really not fair <laughs> it was really it was just such a difference um, but yeah I thought that was yeah he was just quite whiny wasn't he he was um, but well done for cooking tea yes and other things. Oh yes, um, I'm always just interested in the whole idea of um, capital punishment as a as a form of entertainment. I think Doctor Who's used it a few times because yeah. obviously it's a thing. But um, yeah, I just I find that fascinating that that's that a a penal colony has then used that as a commodity I thought that was really quite clever the fact that they kind of felt like they weren't able to monetize their um, assets successfully successfully enough yeah that they actually thought that the, they were enterprising enough to use their yeah their punishment kind of export yeah. was just quite fascinating I thought I did think that was all quite clever really and I just I and it I was it was really um oh what's the word I don't know what the word is but the fact that they were just so dry about the fact that they'd expanded into entertainment yeah it was just another thing yes. another revenue stream yes exactly it? that's it yeah no, the comtech division product they called it yes and oh yeah that the the fact that it felt like the governor was almost the director of the of the punishment shows as well like he kind of was like and cut it was oh, just like yes. he was all part of the um of the production of this yes. and wasn't that a wonderful episode ending the and cut yes yes the no, only no. thing that spoiled it for me was skitzil's gurgle his laugh i would have much prefer preferred if it just be and cut and then it just completely went black right yes yes because it was so dark yes yeah yeah because there's very few cliffhangers in this series I was listening to Flight Through Entirety hello Flight Through Entirety boys um, the other day and they were saying in Australia they had they still showed it in four episodes so they actually split it up so ah. you'd have four episodes of Vengeance and Varos but the episode one and episode three episode cliffhangers would not necessarily be cliffhangers. Yes. They would just be whatever was happening at the time. They just cut it at 23 minutes regardless. It'd be like watching Running Scared, wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, something else we watched recently. Running Scared, kids' TV series from 1986. Yes. Um, I've um, also got a note here, which is of crucial importance. Yes. It just says pink and blue chair. Did you see the pink and blue chair in the TARDIS? It was a pink chair with blue piping or a blue chair with pink piping. Oh, yes, I did. I thought that's a choice. Yes, it was a definite choice, wasn't it? <laughs> and it did definitely complement um, Perry's outfit. Yes, didn't it? it felt like it had been chosen to... Um, yeah. I didn't... There was definite nods to those kind of colour 
mixes throughout um you think there was a palette of, of doctor yes because i remember at the time thinking yes there's more of that pink there's more of that blue i love it ah. it just it it was the the color of the time and i just because remember loving it in attack of the cybermen perry had a pink outfit in that color yes pink leotard and pink shorts yes. no they were they were yeah. inspired choices yeah something that occurred to me is how much of this story i think influenced I don't know whether it was the first time in Doctor Who, but my God, the amount of times it's been used in Big Finish since, that fear kills people. Oh, fucking hell. Because in Big Finish, that starts really early on, started to annoy me. There were yeah. so many stories where, oh, fear itself is the danger. And yes, there was kill people. far too many. It's like, oh, another fear monster. Oh, yes, interesting. yet again. Yeah. But was this the first time? I, I don't know. But it's, a, it's an overused trope yeah. in Doctor Who, it's particularly in Big Finish. Yeah. Don't do it again, big finish. We're At bored of it. At least this wasn't the centre of it, though. No, it was just part of it, and I quite liked... I thought it was I, quite clever. I did like the idea of the... The fact that Etta and Arak had been through this before. They'd kind of... They'd watched it. They're like, oh, this bit's... Co-. It's like us watching Strictly or something. It's like, oh, it's that bit coming up now, and I really like it. And it was like, oh, we're up to the purple zone now. It just... Yes. They had that kind of... Oh, I like this expectation. bit. <laughs> yeah. It was really... I I enjoyed their journey through this kind of... This this form of entertainment that they've seen so many yeah. times before. And yes. Had a comfort with, almost. That was... That was really interesting because then we got to see it from their view with a little bit like Gogglebox, I guess, just yes. to hear their their views on things, what they what they felt when someone did that. It's like, oh no, this is going to happen next, and yeah, it yeah. just I, I I felt I enjoyed the kind of the different trials they had to go through. Yeah, it was um, it felt like you're getting somewhere. It didn't feel like interminable corridors no when there's because that, oh, it had that context and framework yes, which was so novel a green i don't think they only really called it the purple zone but there was like a green zone and an orange and everything yeah yeah, yeah. yeah they were they were quite interesting i like those and it really is quite original and groundbreaking for the time because reality tv was a way off yeah I mean, they had a few shows, like, I remember one about an Iron Age village in the 70s, okay. where they put people in an Iron Age village to survive as a community. Oh, nice. I can't remember what it was called, but I've seen some of that recently, and I was like, wow, this is this is really the start of this stuff. Mm. And of course, there's the 7-Up and 16-Up and all that, the kids that they've... they've oh, yes, yeah, throughout the their lives, yeah. And you've got Now Get Out of That, which was that sort of game show where real people went to do, sort of like businessmen went to do obstacle courses and stuff in the wild. And oh. But these sort of things were really sort of like rare. Yes. It wasn't many of them. No, it wasn't. And a it wasn't really a format they... yes, yeah. yet. No, so to lampoon cool. something that was not really there yet, mm. really prescient. Yeah. But yeah, and I just I I don't understand how they managed to make it so dry and clever. Like it just they. Uh, they must have had different script writers or they were able to write their own things <laughs> because they just they just said things with such wit and with such um, mm. I don't know enough speed. about the writer Philip Martin I know he wrote a ITV drama called Gangsters mm-hmm. and I think he did a lot of theatre so I think that theatrical grounding came in well yeah but that was the worst bits wasn't it yeah maybe the um, yeah stuff 
Don't know what I was going to say then. Good. So, I think it's time to wrap up. Goodness. Vengeance on Varos. Tell me, what do you think? What's your summary? Um, yeah, better than expected. Um, lots of potential that I felt that they could have expanded it more in places that I would have been keen to hear more about. If I'd have got to understand these people, be slightly more invested in them, I think that would have worked quite well. Um, but for for what we were presented, it was pacey. It was um, it was new. It wasn't something I'd seen before. It felt it definitely felt wonderfully eighties. Yes. It, it was it was very yeah bright and colourful and that kind of thing. Um, I would watch it again which is new for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I was impressed with all the different ideas that they brought in this show and managed to, to do well. I think they, they did a really good job um, in a time where, yeah, Doctor Who wasn't really as loved as it, as it could have been. So yeah, not bad. Would give it a B plus. B plus. Yes. Yeah, I think I'd probably give it an A minus. Gosh. I know it's my favourite Colin Baker story, but this is on the basis of having only seen this one recently and not really having seen many others. So maybe there are others out there that I like. Goodness. But well, um, you should watch Vengeance on Time Lash. Vengeance very on good. Time Lash is very good, I hear. <laughs> Especially when HG Wells pops up in Araconetta's bedroom. <laughs> yes. Um, I liked its bravery its use of the television tropes of the direction of the reality tv feel and it was lampooning video nasties as well but it was kind of like it's now has such a bearing on pol politics today and on binary culture and on the dangers of referendums and <laughs> direct democracy i just think they are so dangerous don't do it Ever. Um, yes. Politics, poli politicians have been elected to make these decisions because they're more in the know. Unfortunately, politics is so bloody. What's the word? What's the word? Corrupt. Yes. But yeah, maybe we can't trust representative democracy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I, I... Okay, back to vengeance somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> when we're back in the room. <laughs> But um, I liked, I thought Nicola Bryant was good in it. I thought Colin Baker was good in it. I liked a lot of the guest cast. I thought Martin Jarvis was good, even though he wasn't likable as the governor. Yes, no, he was, you're right. Um, and I thought a few of the others were wonderful. Uh, Stephen Yardley and um, Sheila Reid were fantastic. Yeah. They yes. were the highlights. Yeah. And their relationship. Um, I think some of the other characters could have been a bit more developed. Mm. And they Quillam didn't... wasn't scary. We haven't spoken about Quillam. Oh, no. 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 He um, just—he looked like he should scare, but he didn't. And Shellac as well, the big guy, the bald guy. He yes. wasn't really enough of a character, I felt. Yeah, no, completely. Yeah. Um, Nabil Shaban as Sil was was very good, but mm. but hard hard watch. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I give it, as I say, an A minus. 
Good. Well done. I can't believe I'm saying that to an Eric Sayward script edited story. Yeah. It's astonishing. So, you know what we have to decide now. Oh, there's so many to choose from. Hall of Fame. Goodness. Well, being as we haven't actually mentioned that Mr. Gwillem or the other, what did you say the other dude was called? Noldak and Noldak. Chelak. Yeah. There was a Bax in there as well somewhere. Yeah, there's a lot of characters. Rondell. But, um, yeah, I, I think they probably, even though we maybe should have talked about them more, I, I can't bring myself to put them in the Hall of Fame because no. I didn't like them. And I don't think John Dar and Aretta are enough characters to put them in, are no. they? No. I'm thinking... Four, let me tell you what I think. Yes. I think you put the governor in there. Yes. I think you put Sill in there. Yes. And I think you put Arak and Etta in there. I'm with you, 100%. That's so weird. Those four. Never agree with you, ever. I know. But yeah, I no. I think it might be the morphine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That'll don't expect really this nice, next time. <laughs> that would be a really nice unexpected outcome from this horrific accident that you start to agree with me more. No, that would be terrible. No, no expect arguments for next time. Good. I will be a lot less malleable. Good. I am pleased to hear it. Good. So we will let you vote soon. Actually, it just occurred to me, I've not let them do a Planet of Spiders vote yet. <gasps> At this current point in time. Oh, because you were so busy with me. Yeah, so I must do that. Yeah, because we want to know that you vote for Jenny Laird. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't know what we're going to do next time. But no. I just want to say in closing that I am actually pretty emotional to be podcasting with you again. Mm -hmm. And I love you so much. And I'm so glad you're sat Aww. here with me. Thank you, Ben. My favourite, favourite person in all the world. And thank you for coming out to look after me and listen to me be really dull. <laughs> uh, it's appreciated. It can't have been easy. Yeah. And thank you for listening to us, people. Yay. We love you too. Yes. Um, so it's goodbye from, from me, it's goodbye from Andy, and it's goodbye from... Me! Her. Um, yes. I will be even more awake next time. It's just, I'm on the up. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Okay, so apologies for all the lawn mowing noise. <laughs> My God. It wasn't until I came to edit it that I realised it was that bad. It's because I've got a new amazing Blue Yeti microphone and I threw it into my case when I went over to NZ and we tried it out and obviously it's too good in that it picks up all the noises and we couldn't hear it as loud as that when we were sitting there. So apologies for that and I hope you got through to this point. Um, if you're listening to this, you did. Um, one correction that I feel I must make, pointed out by my wife, was that there was never actually Jan Harvey Badger in Harry Hill's Badger Parade. We created that idea off the back of the fact that he used to have Brian Harvey Badger in there. So then whenever we talked about Jan Harvey, she comes up quite a lot in our house, then we decided she must be called Jan Harvey Badger. I hope that clears that up. And... We will see you in the new year on the 1st of January with our next episode. Um, thank you so much for listening. Bye.
doctor. The doctor. The security of this entire planet is at stake. Can we rely upon you? I'm not where I wanted to be, but I can work with this. <sighs> From Joko. What? what? I don't suppose you've seen anything weird around here. Do you believe this is a human? What's the plan? You trust me, don't you? Have I got to answer that? Where are we? Paris, 1943? Oh, no. Something's coming for me. I can feel it. Let it come. Because we're your mates. Family. Get away from them! You know things will get into the TARDIS. You'll never die. What have you brought here, Doctor? I don't know.